Psalm 138. Let's stand together and we'll read. We'll read two verses. We'll focus on the second one. Psalm of David. And the first verse says, I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. David is speaking of his praise to the Lord. The place of his praise I will worship toward thy holy temple. The person of his praise I will praise thy name. God's name, for his loving kindness, for thy loving kindness, and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. It's interesting, he said, I'll praise thy name, loving kindness, and for thy truth. I'll praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth, for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. We're going to talk about tonight the importance of the Word. This will be really an introduction to a series of lessons. But I want to just think about that phrase tonight, and we'll move from that. But thou hast magnified thy Word above thy name. Think about that. Thou hast magnified thy Word above all thy name. It shows us the uh, elevated place the Word of God has to him, if it has a place of honor and esteem to Him, it certainly ought to have an important place in our life. Let's pray as we begin. Father, please bless tonight, Lord, as we look into this book, on the subject of this book. We pray that You'd use it, Lord, use it in our lives to help us grow, use it in a devotional way, help us love Your Word, respect Your Word. And I pray, Father, especially tonight for our younger people, that they could see the reason why that we encourage them to stand in awe and reverence to the Word of God. We pray for that tonight and help all of us, and myself included, Lord, to just to really remember and grasp and embrace the importance of your Word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. In the coming weeks, we're going to spend some time on the inspiration of the Word of God. Very important subject. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And we'll talk about the preservation of the Word of God. That God has promised preservation is a Bible doctrine. If we believe the Bible, we believe that God has preserved for us His Word. That we might know His Word. We'll talk about the translation issue. And so we'll talk about those things in the coming weeks. You know, in our lifetime, in my lifetime, I'll say, the view of the Bible and the popularity of various Bible versions have shifted dramatically. And I want you just to listen to this kind of as an introduction. Uh, we, you know, we hold to this... Um, what is considered now really to be, in many people's eyes, kind of an archaic Bible, the King James Version. But um, from 1611 until 1900, it was really 
the only, I guess, recognized English translation of the Bible. From 1611 to 1900, in 1901, the American Standard Version was published. And Bibles began to be published in the 1900s. Uh, the most popular Bible today is the New International Version. It was published in 1978. It was published three years after we were saved. That's, that's how new a translation it is. Um, and for several years, the New International Version has been the most popular, best-selling Bible. Now, the King James Bible is still the most used Bible because a lot of people who have Bible, the King James, use the King James. But last year, actually 2018, uh, the King James ranked third in Bibles purchased. The first one was the New International Version. The second one was the New Living Translation. And that wasn't translated until 1996. That was the second most popular Bible purchased two years ago. My wife and I were talking about this this afternoon about the number of English translations of the Bible. How many, you know, if you were to have, if I were to ask you to write down a number, how many English translations, not foreign language translations, English translations in the Bible would you estimate there are? And I think most of us would guess on the low side. One source says that there are 450 English translations of the Bible. Now, now one was good enough from 1611 to 1900. Now there's 450. How many of you would guess there was at least 450? Actually, if you consider incomplete translations, there's 900 translations of the English Bible, if you consider those that aren't complete translations. Now, think about that for a moment. And I don't, I don't, I don't pretend to know all the reasons why, but doesn't, there, doesn't something about that seem funny to you? The English language, we all have the English language. From 1611 till 1900, one Bible was good enough. And now 450 are not good enough. There's already been a brand new one published in 2020. Now, why is that? We're going to talk about that uh, in this series tonight. I'm just using it sort of as an introduction to let you know um, kind of what some of the things we're going to talk about. But to me, the verse that we read is a partial answer to that question because if people had the view of God's word that they had, they wouldn't be so apt to be always messing with it and changing it and tweaking it. It's not man's word to mess with, it's God's word. And so I want to begin by just looking at, I'm going to, I want to have several things I want to emphasize, but the first one is this, and that is the esteem the Bible deserves. God has magnified his word above his name. I think in beginning sort of a theological study on the doctrine of the scripture, it begins with recognizing the exalted position that the word of God has. Look at this verse, this simple verse in Psalm 138 and verse 2 where it says, For thou hast magnified thy word 
above all thy name. Think about the two words, thou hast magnified thy word. That's a clear reference to scripture. We're going to talk about the word scripture in a little bit. But David understood when he talked about thou hast magnified thy word, David knew what he was talking about. He was talking about the word of God. He's magnified thy word. The word magnified means to, to put it in a high place, a holy place, an exalted place, God's word. The pronouns thou and thy in that phrase, for thou has magnified thy word, refer to the Lord. He's the one that's exalted it. He's the one that's magnified his word to such an honored place. And how high does God exalt his word? As he's exalted his word, still looking in verse 2, thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name, above his name. You know, if you were to do a Google search on God's name and how exalted God's name is, it's an interesting search, especially if you look at sites having to do with the Hebrew people. They hold God's name to be in great reverence. As a matter of fact, the Jewish people, as a tradition, will not say God's name. And when they write it, they leave the vowels out and only use the consonants. And the reason is because they consider God's name to be so holy that they won't even say, especially the name Yahweh or Jehovah, they will not even say his name. God's name is exalted. The name of Jesus is exalted. Paul writes to the church at Philippi and he says, God hath highly exalted him, Jesus, and given him a name that's above all names, that at the name, his name every knee would bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Christ. That's the exalted name of God. That's why the commandment says, Thou shalt not uh, profane the name of God. Keep his name holy. But he's exalted his word above that of his name. His word is to be reverenced even above his name. Now that's not our opinion, that's God's opinion. That's what God says about his word. And so we ought to, be, we ought to reverence it. We ought to respect it. it it's, it's the reason we have a high estimation of the scripture. It's exalted. You could ask yourself tonight, before I move to my second point, you could ask yourself tonight, you know, would it do me well maybe to take a second look at the way I esteem the Word of God, the way I honor the Word of God? We don't worship the Word of God. We worship the God of the Word. But we highly exalt and honor His Word. So we see the esteem the Bible deserves. second thing I want to notice is the names that the Bible is given. For instance, the word Bible. Where do we get our English word Bible? comes from a Greek word, biblos, B-I-B-L-O-S, biblos. It's a Greek word. Look with me, if you would, please, to the Gospel of Mark. In Mark chapter 12, we're going to be looking up a few verses tonight. But I want to, I want to see this in the Bible, this word, biblos, as it's translated. In Mark chapter 12, Jesus is talking to the Sadducees, who do not believe in a resurrection, the Sadducees. You know what I'm going to say, don't you? That's why they're sad, you see. They don't believe in the resurrection. I'd be sad too. In speaking to the Sadducees in verse 26, he said this, and as touching the dead, 
that they rise, have you not read in the book of Moses? Now the word book there in our English Bible is translated from the word biblos in the Greek word. You know, the New Testament is translated from, English into, uh, from Greek into English. So here the Greek word for book is biblos. We're talking about where we get our name Bible. It's the Greek word for a book or writing. Jesus said, have you not read in the book of Moses? How in the bush God spake unto him, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. The word Bible comes from that word, biblos. Ancient, matter of fact, ancient books were written on papyrus. Another word for papyrus was biblos, B-I-B-L-U-S, a Greek it was a, a Greek plant, I mean, an Egyptian plant, I'm sorry, a, a water plant that they would use to make pages out of, and they were, it was called Biblos. So that's, that's where this Biblos came to be known as the Bible because it, it was a word that was associated with sacred books. In Luke 3, uh, it says, the, the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, talking about the Old Testament writings, the word translated is Biblos. So the Bible is given its name because of its association with sacred writings. No other, no other writings now are known as a Bible, but the sacred writings. Another name given to the Bible, though, is, is the Word of God. In Mark chapter 7 and verse 13, Jesus said, making the Word of God of none effect through your tradition. That phrase, Word of God, is used 49 times in the Bible. The, the Scriptures are called the Biblos, the Bible, but they're also called the Word of God. Paul wrote to the Romans and said, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the, what? Word of God. It's the Word of God. The writer of Hebrews says in chapter 4 and verse 12, The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's the Word of God. Young person, that's not just, that's not just a a phrase without meaning, and it's a, no, that is what it is. It's God's Word. It's a descriptive phrase for the Bible. It's the Word of God. These sacred writings are routinely called the Word of God. Why? Because they're not the words of men. They're the Word of God. You hear people say, I've heard people say, numerous times in my life, well, men wrote the Bible. Well, God used men, but it's not man's words. It's God's Word. It's important you understand that. The Word of God. It's called the Bible. It's called the Word of God. God is the author of the Bible. It's His Word. Another word for God's Word is Scripture. The word Scripture or Scriptures, plural, is found 50 times in the New Testament. It's used often, the word Scripture. And the word always refers to sacred writings, always. Um, both Old Testament and New Testament. If you're, in the, if you're in the Gospel of Mark still, I'm in Mark still, I'm in Mark chapter 12. Look at Mark chapter 12 and verse 10, where Jesus says, and have you not read this scripture? Jesus, hadn't you read this scripture? And, the, and he quotes from that scripture in Psalm 118. The stone which the builders rejected is become the head of the corner. The word scripture refers to the sacred writings of God's word, both Old Testament and New Testament. You're in Mark chapter 12, look in verse 
24. Jesus answering said unto them, Do you not therefore err because you know not the scriptures? Neither the power of God. I mean, what scriptures? When Jesus said this, what scriptures were available? The only scriptures that were available were the Old Testament scriptures, right? Haven't you, haven't you read the scriptures? In Mark chapter 12 and verse... Um, or, excuse me, Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter 15 and verse uh, 28. This is when Jesus was being nailed to the cross. Mark 15 and verse 28, it says, And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, and he was numbered with the transgressors. That's a quote from the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah. The scripture was fulfilled. So another word for God's word is scriptures. Bible is a Bible, the Biblos, but then the word of God is another phrase that describes the Bible, and then scriptures is another phrase that... Go with me if you would to 2 Timothy. It's another phrase that describes the Bible, that's used for the Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 3. This is a very familiar passage. where it talks about, it mentions the word scripture more than once. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14. Paul writing to Timothy says in verse 14, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Verse 15, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures. Again, what scriptures could he have known as a child? It was the Old Testament scriptures. That from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And then this great passage, verse 16. We'll talk about this more when we talk about the inspiration of the scripture, but all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It came from God. God breathed that all scripture and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Go to one last verse having to do with this subject. Go to 2 Peter. 2 Peter, the second epistle of Peter, he's writing about the writings of the Apostle Paul. 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. And verse 15, Peter writes and says, account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. Paul has written unto you, Peter says. Verse 16, as also in all his epistles, referring directly to Paul's epistles, speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, they twist, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. So when Peter wrote this epistle, Peter knew and understood that the writings of Paul were scriptures that there were God's word. Now we're going to talk at some point about the canon of scripture. How do you know which books went into the Bible? But Peter understood that what Paul was writing wasn't just an inspirational letter. It wasn't just an informative letter. 
Peter understood that they, it was Scripture. It was God's book. So we see these different names given to the Word of God, and one of them is Scripture. So we've talked about the esteem that the Bible deserves. We've talked about the names the Bible has given. Thirdly, let's think briefly about the authority the Bible has. The, the authority the Bible has. Um, as you know, one of my favorite verses is Matthew 4, 4, where it says, when Jesus was being tempted of the devil for 40 days, and he answered one of the temptations of the devil with this word, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. Man's to live by the Bible. It's a book of authority. This is a historic principle of Baptist people, that the Bible is the final authority for what we believe. You say, well, all religions believe that. They may say they believe it, but they don't believe it because they believe things that aren't in the Bible. The Bible is the final authority. We have no such authority to any creeds. We don't put any authority in experiences. We don't put any authority in the traditions of men that would contradict Scripture. The Bible is the final authority. The authority the Bible has. Now, Baptists are not Protestants. I hope you understand that. Baptists are not Protestants. They want to lump us in that group, but Protestants were reformers. Protestants turned against, separated from the Catholic religion in the 1500s and the 1600s. That was the time of the Reformation. People like Martin Luther, these were reformers. John Calvin, Zwingli, these were reformers. But Baptists are not Protestants. We were not reformers because Baptists were never a part of the Catholic religion. Baptists were from the time of Christ. But having said that, some of these Protestants like Presbyterians, like Lutherans, Martin Luther, one of the main theological beliefs that Martin Luther proclaimed against the Catholics was sola scriptura. That's a Latin phrase, solus only, sole only, one Scripture, Scripture. In other words, it's Latin for the Scripture only. That's what Martin Luther said. He championed that. He championed that when he left the Catholic religion. And by the way, they did that at a great price. And several things led to the Reformation. The corruption of the Catholic religion was a part of that. Indulgences where you could actually pay money to the Catholic Church to have your sins forgiven and papal authority that the Pope had authority. All these reasons, they, these reformers uh, protested that Protestants pulled out. And I, I tell you, I appreciate their bravery, but I want to make a point. Sola Scriptural did not really define their doctrine because they continued to baptize babies, for instance. That's not in the Bible. The Scripture is the final authority. And so... The Bible alone is the a final, authoritative, infallible rule of our faith. It's the Bible. It's not because mama said. It's not even because the preacher said. It's because the Bible says. So we've talked about the esteem the Bible should have, the names given to the Bible, the authority the Bible has, and fourthly, just talk, this is an introductory lesson, fourthly, Think about briefly the truth the Bible reveals. Here's the great truth about God. God desires to make himself known to man. Aren't we glad about that? 
And how does he reveal himself? He reveals himself through creation, for one thing. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Anywhere people are, creation is speaking to them about the Creator. God reveals truth through his creation. God reveals truth through his Son. I'm going to look in Hebrews for just a moment. Hebrews chapter 1 and says this in verse 1. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. He speaks to us through creation. He's spoken to us through his Son. In John 14, Jesus said, He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. Amen. He, he came to reveal the Father to us. So God reveals truth through creation. God reveals truth through his Son. But God reveals truth through his Word. Through his Word. You want to know what God has to say? Just read that book. That's what God has to say. I know. I would, I would challenge some of you, and I, I hope it's not many of you, who seldom read this book, why it is you don't know what, want to know what God has to say. Amen? Turn with me to the Gospel of John for a moment, if you would, please. Gospel of John. Let's look, first of all, at John chapter 8 talking about how, how the truth is revealed by the Word. John chapter 8, in verse 31, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Truth can be known. And how is it known? It's known through the word of God. You continue in my word. Continue in my word. Read my word. Study my word. Live my word. Internalize my word. You continue in my word, then you'll know the truth. God reveals himself through his word. Thank God for that. Turn to the left just a couple of pages to John chapter 5, just one verse. John chapter 5 and verse 39. Jesus said, search the scriptures. What scriptures is he talking about? He's talking about the word of God. He's talking particularly about the Old Testament. Search the scriptures. I think it's a dangerous thing today that so many people are ignoring Jesus' command to search the Scriptures. Like the Old Testament's not important. Jesus said, search them. What did he say? Search the Scriptures in verse 39. For in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. If you'll search the Scriptures, the Old Testament, that's all they had. Was the, search the Old, scripture, the Old Testament Scriptures, and they'll tell you about me. Right? The truth, we're talking about the truth the Bible reveals. 
Look in verse 46 of that same passage. He said, for had you believed Moses, talking about the writing of Moses, the Pentateuch, the Old Testament book, if you, had you believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. He wrote about me. Moses wrote about me. I love the New Testament, but I have not, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of ignoring the Old Testament. I love the Old Testament as well. So we've talked about the authority the Bible has, the esteem the Bible deserves, the name the Bible's, names the Bible's given, the truth the Bible reveals, and finally, the power the Bible contains. The Bible is a miraculous book. Now, it won't, it won't do a whole lot for you just you know, sitting on your dash of your car or, or sitting on a, the coffee table at your house. You've got to read it. You've got to spend time in it. But it's a powerful book. Number one, it, it enlightens. In, in the Psalms, in Psalm 119, the psalmist said, The entrance of thy word giveth light. It's like a light. It shines. It shines on us. It shines in our hearts. It, it shows us things about God. It's a powerful book. I was thinking yesterday, I believe it was, about um, how much I appreciate the influence and training and encouragement I got as a young Christian and, and after I moved here, uh, serving in this church as, an, as a youth director and an assistant pastor for four years. But something radically changed when I became the pastor. And I still had the same Bible. I didn't read it anymore. But I think I read it more seriously because now I'm the pastor. I'm leading this church. I have the assignment of feeding the flock of God. I was 27 that time. It was amazing how God began to show things to me that I'd never seen in the Bible. Doctrinal things about the church and about God's plan for missions, those kinds of things. You know where I got that? I, I didn't get, get it just go for some conference and came back all fired up about some news thing I heard. I got it from reading this book. Read the Bible. It enlightens. Not only does it enlighten, it cleanses. You know, there's something cleansing about reading the Word of God. Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus and talked about the washing of the water by the Word of God. Just getting the book. It's a good book. It's good for what ails you. Amen? It enlightens us, it cleanses us, but it also convicts us. I read that verse a moment ago, at least the first part of that verse. Hebrews 4, 12 says, For the Word of God is quick and powerful. It's alive. It's not a dead book. It's alive. It's quick. You know, the word quicken talks about bringing to life. The King James word of English word quicken. Well, the Bible is quick. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It says it can divide even asunder the soul and the spirit. Imagine a, a cutting instrument so precise, so sharp, that it can separate the soul from the spirit and the joints and the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. This book, when you read this book, it not only reads your mind, it reads your heart. It's a wonderful book. Now, I think this is very important. I think it's a good place to start this study we're going to be doing on Sunday nights about the Word of God just to understand the author and the authority and the, 
and the relevance of God's Word. It's an amazing book. I'm glad I learned uh, from my pastor, my first pastor, Brother Ralph Gossett, about the importance of the Bible. He believed in the inspiration of the Scripture. I can, I can still hear him thundering out about this. There was a lot, it was a Southern Baptist church, and there was a great controversy in the Southern Baptist Convention about the inspiration of the Scripture, and he took a strong stand for the inspiration of the Word of God. I believe that a more person sees the Bible as it is. It's not just a textbook for the preacher to use every week. It's God's book. Amen. And preaching is important. God's manifested His Word through preaching, but it's not just that. It's the revelation of God. It's God revealing Himself. The more we respect it, the more we'll spend time in it. The more time we spend it, the more we'll be changed by it. It's an amazing thing when you're reading the Bible and God just turns a light on and shows you something you've never seen before. I've heard this I've heard this so many times from people, people in our church, preachers that I know, people who've been in the ministry for decades, people like myself, who will say, you know, I've read that and read that and read that and read that, and one day I was reading, and it's like I saw something I'd never seen before. It wasn't just because I was paying attention more, it's because God chose to speak to us at that time through the Word of God. It's God's book. I wish I could convince some people. Most people here are thoroughly convinced, but if you believe that, you wouldn't, take a day, you wouldn't let a day go by that you don't spend time in this book. You ought to want to know what God has to say. Say, God ever talk to you? Right? He does talk to us right through His Word. Amen? This is what He said about it. That He's magnified His Word even above His name. Amen? What a Bible, what a book that God's given us. Amen? We were praying downstairs this morning, several of us men, and as we were praying, I thought about that scripture in the Old Testament where it says His Word is like a hammer. And I thought, God, take the hammer out and just soften our heart, use it to break through the resistance, break through the hardness of our heart with the hammer of the Word of God what I long to see. God just reach out by His Spirit and His Word and just get a hold of people. Amen? Amen. It's, our, it's not our job. It's not my job. It's not our job to, to be expert orators and try to convince people intellectually to make spiritual decisions. It's our job just to tell people what God said. And then for people to do something with what God said. If, you won't, if you're not going to obey what God said, you're sure not going to obey what I say. Amen? It's God's book.